Hello, my name is Ben. And my name's Andrew. And we are your hosts of the Too Vague Podcast this week. One word, two hosts, stories, trivia, and video games. Andrew's joining me in, uh, I guess, the virtual studio today. The satellite office yeah. in Clackamas, Oregon. I would go with Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. So that's not where I am, though. I know that's not where you are, but I mean, if I was making up a place where we have the home office... Well, the home office, that's over at your place. And the field office here down by uh, Oregon Highway 224. Out out by where the Clackamas High School used to be, but it's not Clackamas High School anymore. That's where we are. Formerly Clackamas High School. Okay. Formerly, it's now it's Alder Creek Middle School, but that's as much of a geographical clue as I'm going to give anybody. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I don't want those middle schoolers messing with stuff in my yard. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. It's all about triangulation. Yeah. This week, we're going to be talking about the word control. 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 But before we get into that, what have you been up to lately? Anything exciting? Getting ready for school? Getting ready for school. Well, i got two more weeks, but I've been working summer school. Do you do like Paul Rudd does in uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife? Did you see Ghostbusters Afterlife? I did. I forgot what Paul Rudd did. He puts on movies like Cujo. All right. Lets the kids watch him while he's, you know, doing whatever he wants to. Yeah. Well, this one's called Christine. You guys are going to love it. (laughs) The program I'm working in, it's called Extended School Year, and it's really for kids who have a lot of trouble breaking with the routine of being in school. Okay. So just trying to keep the routines up. Oh, okay. so well, I'm like working with some significant disabilities in the classroom. These these kids that I'm working with, I would say, have uh, there's some some definite intellectual disabilities going on. I mean, there's okay. there's autism, but there's other things. There is the the truth that some people need a lot of help their whole lives long, and so. Okay. Yeah, these I've been working with some high school s- students who are in in high school because the law says everybody gets to go to high school mm-hmm. and a free and appropriate public education until your 21st birthday. Right. So then this is a special education sort of Yeah, it's a special education setting, yeah. Yeah. And does that change when you go into the regular school year? In the regular school year, I work in a a regular elementary school, mm-hmm. so I'm supporting special ed students, but not uh, with the same kind of severity of needs. Okay. So that's more like helping helping out students who are able to access grade level curriculum and, you know, helping them out in this. My summer gigs totally different. Okay. Well, that's what you've been up to. That's what I've been up No, that's not all I've been up to. I built some shelves. I finished up a comic book last week. I... I read a whole comic book. No, I I wrote a I wrote an illustrated and uh, printed up a little mini comic because there was this uh, little like artist alley fest in Portland. I saw your tweet on that. I went to that. I had a, I tabled at it and I I sold just enough stuff to like make my table money back. Okay. I met a cool guy. Yeah. I mean the guy that was sitting next to me. I mean, but cool. It was he was an interesting dude. He was uh, sort of like a Bottle Rocket era Owen Wilson kind of vibe going on with him. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was real fun. Did he say wow like that or no? Kind of. He just had a sort of twang in his voice that sort of reminded me of Owen Wilson. And then his whole 
he just had an interesting get up he was there just to like draw sketches okay but like he like comes in and he sets up and he's got a a manual typewriter that he sets up on his table and he's got a jar of peanuts in the shell okay and he's like just asking everybody's like hey you want a peanut and i'm like you've got style and i don't know he was cool (laughs) okay hey you want a peanut he was he was going by spoon yeah i got from him a lovely uh picture like he really wanted to draw a picture of christopher walken so i uh commissioned a, a sketch of christopher walken from him because very cool because that's not that was that was fun so you need to send me that uh, i'll send you because i yeah. want a picture of that i mean anyone who can sketch christopher walken pretty impressive i mean it was it was uh like a seven minute sketch that was the deal he did him at seven minutes so okay. you know I mean, it's not, you know, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a Christopher Walken sh- sketch. Okay. I'll, I'll send you a digitized version of it. I always overthink my Christopher Walken impression and I just don't do it very well. He's one of those guys that doing an impression of him is more about the timing, you know? Oh yeah. It's all about the timing. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, being at the table show and doing your comic. That was good. So yeah, I finished my comic up just in time to take it to there and then... And that was fun. And now I'm going to try to like sell it or something at actual stores. Okay. So was that the one that I was in? My show, you had an advertisement for that. Yes. That's the one that I put the advertisement for the show in with the, with the QR code and everything. Nice. So it's, it's, it's not just a comic. It's sort of like a calling card. Yeah. uh, Well, that explains the uptick of one viewer. <laughs> I, guess, I don't know. <laughs> That's that is my influence. Yeah, I yeah, can well, I can get one listener in. It's excellent. One listener. That's okay. Yeah, it's okay by I'm me. I'm like I tell people, you got to hear about what I did in Italy. Yeah, you got to hear about the Italian branch of the Kiss Army and Pringles and Pringles. We could do a follow up on Pringles. I'm prepared. We're doing control. Unless you have to control your impulse of eating did you actually try the suspicious stew flavored pringle well, i didn't try it yet i have it i saved it for the podcast should i try it now i would say try it now we need to find out what that is so i'm gonna i'm gonna try to record the sound of the uh, can opening okay and then now i gotta tear up a little foil thing oh yeah that's gonna be some great audio for you i can tell <laughs> <laughs> all right now I can't send the smell through the it smells vaguely of flavor. Vaguely of flavor? S- some it smells like you know, like like broth. Okay. On a potato like chip. Like bullion. Like bullion. It smells a little bouillon-y. Okay. I'll give you some ASMR crunches here. Yeah. Yeah, it tastes like a Pringle that soaked up some bullion. I I don't know. It's it's savory, a little, a little oniony going on in there, and uh-huh. so it is actually stew flavored. Yeah. Okay. Like it's got suspicious stew. I guess that's a Minecraft thing. Yes. But you know, I, I like, I think it's suspicious stew. I think it's like some shady guy named Stewart just messing around by the Circle K or something. Yeah, but it's not that. Don't don't buy any of the wacky tobacco from Suspicious Stew. No. No. I also got, I also picked up some pizza flavored Pringles. Oh, you know what? Also, when you eat the suspicious stew in Minecraft, you get a buff. 
You get a buff. Yeah, some sort of buff. All right. You probably now have a plus one in oration. Or, or I don't plus know. Plus one in oration. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Should I should I see what kind of buff I get with the pizza flavored Pringles? Or? I don't think they come with a buff. <laughs> I'm opening up this one too. I, right. I had no self-control when I went to the store and I bought three cans of weird flavored Pringles. Because yeah. we talked about that before. <laughs> right. And pizza flavored is... It's got a vague tomatoey flavor. Yeah. Vaguely oregano. You know, it's you can you can close your eyes and think maybe it's like a pizza. I mean, how how much cheese? There's no real cheese flavor. It's just tomato and I'm not really feeling a lot of cheese on there. Yeah. But let's see. Yeah, it doesn't really have much of a cheese flavor. It's that's a fail on that. Okay. But then we got this the the scorch and wavy Pringles. With this episode's sponsored by Pringles, right? <laughs> no. No. I got some no. scorching wavy loaded nachos. Okay. Because I needed because it was that that can was next to the other cans. I was like, this is <laughs> I was like loaded nachos. Now like I take the thing out of the hand. It's a wavy one, so it's a little bit wavy. Right. So right. just your regular slim uh pringle profile so it's does that does it make it more structurally stable feels a little sturdier i think yeah i, I don't know how it would hold up in a rainstorm but <laughs> okay don't don't switch them out for your you know roofing tiles exactly i mean it's this one smells scorch it smells scorching i smelled it and my nose is like oh it's got capsicum in it yeah yeah so i'm expecting that but it doesn't look like it's loaded with anything Okay. Even though it says it's loaded nachos. Right. It's just right. a chip with flavor powder on it. Yeah. So it's loaded like, nacho flavor, not loaded. Like I was like expecting, am I going to open this up? And I was like, going to be like chiles and big dust cloud you know, of, of big of dust spice. cloud, tomatoes, dust cloud display. Yeah. yeah. It's I see. Okay. Okay. That actually tastes like kind of like. A really dry nacho, like you got a bit of a cheese flavor on there, and definitely some sliced jalapenos. You know, like from the movie theater. That it's that level of nacho. Okay, it's movie theater nachos, not like homemade loaded nachos. No, but yeah, I think calling these loaded is well, that's a stretch. But okay, you know what? It's not a disappointment, but I'm not really sure it's a scorching. In my mind, this satisfies my expectation for flame medium. Right. But, right. <laughs> but, I was like, this really feels medium. It doesn't yeah. feel scorching. Yeah. But yeah. that's all right. The flame. It, it was medium. a flavor experiment. And now I should have gotten a can of regular Pringles to be my control Pringles. Yeah. But I forgot that part. Right. Yeah. And also to like to reflect the word control and the scientific method of all this but exactly and we come full circle <laughs> come full circle see i didn't know where i was gonna go with this bit but i knew it was gonna be worth it it's a great bit man i mean you'd also have to get the normal wavy chips because we need the comparison about how the corrugation of the chips <laughs> yeah they know? need to like build something out of it i mean well there's the building so there's the structural stability part but i mean i think like, i like think the there's corrugation a, yeah yeah does it make the flavor better does it change the flavor corrugation well it's really hard to tell through the the powder flavoring yeah you're right we'd need the through the flame medium flavored scorching the hot flame medium. wavy <laughs> 
Yeah, but I do kind of think that the the waving of Pringles, the wavy Pringles, they would be better for dipping. Right. Because, you know, like an actual Pringle, it, you know, you put any tension on it and it... It just crumbles. It just crumbles. I think the wavy ones are a little bit, you know, they're engineered to handle a load. Right, but right. The normal Pringles embarrass very easily. <laughs> they embarrass very easily. Yes, very easily. And then they crumble. Wow. So I think we found a new bit, a new flavor new... every time you're on the show, maybe. <laughs> I mean, not three, <laughs> not three. Three's going Not three. Well, yeah, Three's well, too I don't much. Know. Do you want do you want to do three every every episode? I mean Oh, I don't think so. I think <laughs> I think I got a little nutty. <laughs> I went a little out of control when I went yeah. shopping. <laughs> What's the payoff of this really going to be? <laughs> and and it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be Pringles. I just had that stuck in my head. Maybe I do think the Pringles, I mean, if we get some unique flavors, we definitely need to sample if, them at some point if if the pringles people are listening to us yes and they would like me to sample pringles on the podcast yes you know take it they can find my email address they can oh, get yeah. out to me yeah check out andrew at uh, partly robot go you send an email to him i mean send me a dm on the instagrams on or, the Instagram. the, or the threads i'm on threads now oh yeah it's the instagram version of twitter but not really okay so that's what it is. It's just Instagram version of yeah. Well, it's like Meta decided to to make a a Twitter analog sort of um, okay, but they sort of brought it out as like a an add on to Instagram somehow. Like okay, like if you already have an Instagram, then if you like go download the Threads app, then it just populates your stuff from Instagram and like you don't have to like sign up separately. Okay, but I mean, it's just the same things that you put on Instagram in a different format, or is um, there... Yeah, well, it's more like you can put in, like, uh, your, you know, three-sentence comment with a link and... Links. That is That seems to be the most important you part can, to me. You can put in links. Yeah, that's it. You can put in links, so you can't do that in Instagram so much, so... Maybe I'll switch over to threads if it's close to what Twitter does. I don't think it's available yeah. for my automatically publish sort of option. Not, in not my, yet. In pod yeah. Mean, but maybe. Yeah. But all I know is that Twitter is off. Twitter's off the Tw- list. Twitter's off the list. Well, because of those changes he made with, with like for the, um, I don't quite understand what it is, but it's some sort of a rate that, oh. that you send data and it has a problem with, sending these things or accessing them through Podbean or whatever it is. They can't post because of it. So whatever it is that's the problem, our friend Lon put in there. Lon. It was Threads. That's a good, that's a good one. Maybe, I, maybe I'll switch over. I'll switch over to Threads. Uh, maybe. So you can check, check it, it out. out. And Twitter, I guess, is X now because... Yes. Yes, it is. But when I get emails about my posts... Mm-hmm. and things it says x formerly known as twitter wow. so they're not embracing it yet i guess okay allow me to criticize for just one moment taking something that has an established brand that people recognize easily and then you just change it that doesn't make any sense whatsoever i mean from a business standpoint unless you're trying to rebrand for a reason but this 
it doesn't seem like there's a reason other than X looks cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know what the reason is. I yeah. I found out about it and then I was like, oh, uh, I guess that's happening. I used to have the partly robot handle on Twitter and then I got annoyed and canceled it. And then I realized, oh, maybe I don't want to delete my Twitter, but it was too late. So they won't let me have it back. Uh, I, I suppose if I paid somebody money, I could have it back, but I don't want to. Yeah, at this point, I, I don't know if it's worth it or not. That's the thing. There's enough hate on the internet as it stands. I'm not judging. Maybe I'm judging a little, but it seems like there's a lot of negative stuff on the, on Twitter. Like, lots. A lot more than on other social media platforms. But I, I think Threads has something where... Um, you can actually block a user before they've ever interacted with you. Oh, wow. So if you see somebody's being a jerk on somebody else's thread, you'd be like, oh, I don't want that guy messing with me. And you can just like block him already. That's interesting. So, yeah. So I think, I think that was a tool designed to just sort of prevent the super toxic stuff from happening. Well, I mean, it's not going to prevent the super toxic stuff from happening, but it is going to stop you from seeing or the consumer from seeing the toxic stuff it's still going to go on it's still going to go on but but the consumer has a little bit more control correct see, see how I brought <laughs> it back. look at that again <laughs> we did it again with the control i didn't really say what i've been doing but you know what all i've been doing is just getting excited about going to pax this year and then also still playing ghostwire tokyo I'm going to probably see and have some interviews going on in packs with various games. So watch out for that. That should be fun for you and your listeners or my listeners or our listeners. Yeah. I'm going to try and maybe do some live stuff, maybe do some Instagram lives. Have you done any of those Instagram lives? No, I haven't done those. Um, Is it? I haven't done them. I Okay. Okay. I but it's like, I've wa- I I watched one once. Yeah, and I'm still really confused with Instagrams like what's a reel and what's a on your story and what's on your I, I'm sure I'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. TikTok is a little less is it is it I mean, is it that confusing? I don't you know what? Let's not talk about TikTok. I don't want a TikTok. We can both acknowledge that TikTok exists. Yes. Yes. And it's a thing. It's a thing. So we'll just stick with Instagram and maybe threads coming up. <laughs> but anyway, that's I what know. I've been I, doing. There's a, there, there's a blue sky supposed to be coming around. They didn't send me my invite yet. So. Uh, blue ski? Blue ski. Yeah. The old blue ski. I heard about that. Some people are on blue ski, but not me. So I don't know. I don't know if it's any good. Hey, Jack Dorsey, you, you listen to all the podcasts, right? Send me a blue ski invite. Yeah. Blue ski. We're going to clap. We're going to blue skis. Two blue skis, please. We want to class up the blue ski. Over here. Over here. Two blue skis to go with our flame medium. Loaded nachos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go with the definition. Let's start with All that. right. The definition. Oh, yeah. I've given examples, but we didn't define it. Yeah. I'm going to go this time. I'm going to mix it up. I think I'm going to go with the Merriam-Webster definition and not the Oxford definition. Keep the show spicy. Keep it spicy control we got a verb and a noun we'll start with the verb to exercise restraining or directing influence over to have power over 
to reduce the incidence or severity of, especially to innocuous level, to incorporate suitable controls in, and then we've got an archaic one here, which is to check, test, or verify by evidence or experiments. Hmm. Okay. Okay, yeah. And then to go with the noun, an act or instance of controlling, duh, power or authority to guide or manage, skill in the use of a tool, instrument, technique, or artistic medium, which is interesting to me because I don't think I've ever heard it that way. Uh, I mean, I think I've heard like, you know, someone has great good control of their instrument or control of their strokes, nice brush control. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's not the first word I would go to when I'm thinking about the arts, but it's, I can see. Yeah. I can see where, it, where it relates. The regulation of economic activity, especially by government directive interest rates. Yes. The ability of a baseball pitcher to control the location of a pitch within a strike zone. That's a very specific definition. That's very specific. (laughs) And then we've got restraint, reserve. And then we go with the control as it relates to experiments, like we were talking about with the Pringles. One, such as an organism, culture, or group that is part of a control experiment and is used as a standard of comparison. It says often used before a noun, which is, a, I'm guess, control group. That's what I'm guessing. Personality or spirit believed to actuate the utterances of performances of a spiritualist medium. Mm. Wow. Those are words. That's a specific old-timey definition. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't even say old-timey. Yeah, it should say in, in parentheses, old-timey. I'm yeah, gonna, exactly. Kind of like the archaic one. I'm going to subtweet the Merriam-Webster dictionary right now. Okay. Is subtweeting even a thing anymore? I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know. It's Is it sub-Xing now? It's sub-Xing. That's, that sounds like something I don't know about. Yeah. A personality or spirit believed to actuate the utterances of performances of a spiritualist medium. I just needed to say that in one complete sentence so I could feel better about myself (laughs) or less commonly control key one that controls such as a device or mechanism used to regulate or guide the operation of a machine apparatus or system. There's also an organization that directs space flight. That's another very oddly specific one. Control is an organization that directs space flight. Yes, like ground control to Major Tom, Major Tom to ground control. Yeah, okay. Okay, so those we've got, those are our definitions according to Miriam and Webster. So, what is the first thing you think of when you think of the word control, Andrew? Okay, I think of, when I think of this phrase, uh, the limits of control, because not only is it the title of a, a, a kind of cool Jim Jarmusch movie, mm-hmm. but it's a kind of movie that's like Rotten Tomatoes is uh, on the fence on whether it's a good movie or a bad movie, but gotcha. I like it. But I watched it and there's that phrase kind of like hung in my mind because, and it was helpful for me at a point where I felt like I didn't have a lot of control about what was going on mm-hmm. around me, like in a workplace or whatever's going on and then realize, okay, there's limits to what I can control. So not be so worried about the stuff that's outside my control and like focus more on what I can do with 
what I can control. So, I mean, that's a very uh, a thinky response to control. Like, Yeah, I think it's great. It's one of those things where if I had a nickel for every time I told someone they should stop worrying because that thing is beyond their control. It's mm-hmm. not something that you can actually do something about. So if you want to focus on something about your situation, those are the things you should be concerned with. You shouldn't worry about them necessarily. You just make that plan and go ahead with it. Change the plan along the way. But, I mean, that's how you exert control over a situation is the things that you can impact or change. Yeah, exactly. And so that that helped me. I mean, it is kind of like mindfulness, you know, about being focused on where you are yeah. in the moment instead of it's so that's that's one thing i thought about control what what about you i think i think of a couple of random things (laughs) yeah hence the vague podcast it's it's pretty vague that's true how much do you know about janet jackson i know that she was on different strokes yeah she was and she had some famous brothers yes she was the youngest of 10 children jeez Yep. If you read her background and and stories, she wasn't really into making music like the rest of the family members were. She was Mm -hmm. wanted to do acting more than that. And there was a little bit of friction between her and her family, i.e. father and brothers, Mm -hmm. which ended up with her letting go her father on the producing of her second album, which she maintains that she was kind of like forced to do against her will or felt like she was forced to do it against her will. So hence Mm -hmm. her third album that she did by herself was called control. And there was a song that she, yeah. So that was the third album that she had was released uh, February 4th, 1986 on A&M Records. That's one of those albums that I remember, like, What Have You Done For Me Lately? That song. Nasty. Mm. Control. When I Think Of You. She basically hit it out of the park with that one and kind of continued her own self-expression. I mean, I just found it interesting that she really didn't want to be in music at the beginning. Yeah. One of those things when you were born, you're kind of born into the wrong family yeah it's 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 kind of ironic because some some people want to go into music and their family are, are like oh yeah it's the opposite right go, what the hell's wrong with you get a real job i mean well, she wanted to go into a different branch of the performing arts i guess but this is why in our utopia we're going to match children with parents there we go you're not going to have your own children you're going to be matched <laughs> with the right parents right <laughs> your child will be profiled exactly at birth you can tell everything at birth. The album remained on the Billboard 200 chart for over two years. That's kind of interesting. And then also yeah. certified five times platinum and has sold more than 10 million copies worldwide. Grammy nominated, so on and so forth. Pretty interesting that that was one of the defining records of her career. Mm-hmm. And once she was able to do what she wanted to do, it kind of took off. And it, sounded, it sounds like she became the artist that she was because of that so mm-hmm. knowing the first two albums and sort of the break from her father as the manager calling this album control kind of has multiple levels right right she's taking her own control 
of her situation because she felt like maybe she was under, you know, she maybe she was under control. I mean, I don't know. I, I'd have to talk to Janet Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I should call her up. Call yeah. her up. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's got a, an in with Pringles, so maybe we can maybe. do a double double duty on if this If I haven't guy. burned that bridge already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, some fantastic things with flavors that Pringles is doing. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Yes. Yeah, Groundbreaking. I mean, groundbreaking. Flavor profiles. Let me just say. Scorching. Scorching medium. <laughs> Flame medium, yeah. I think it would be hilarious if it was scorching medium. <laughs> I've got three cans of Pringles and i got to eat them. Oh, okay. You don't have to eat them by the end of the show, Andrew. Oh, just, I don't, you can, actually. That you, would... can, you can put the camp on them and you can just set them aside. Uh, yeah, I'll do that. For later snacking enjoyment. Yeah, actually, it would be a terrible show to just have me crunching on chips the whole time. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Not for people who are into that sort of thing with that's the ASMR true. stuff. That's I true. Mean, so, yeah, that's one thing I think of. Do you think of anything else with Control? The, another thing that I think of with Control is that there's this a sci-fi trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer called like the Southern Reach trilogy. Okay. The first book in it was Annihilation, which I believe got made into a motion picture. Natalie Portman. Yeah, I didn't watch the movie because I read the book and then I liked the book and then I started watching the movie one time and I decided that I didn't need to. I don't know. Spoiler alert: She's an alien. Spoiler alert. What? <laughs> is that what the movie is? Oh, man. I don't know. I didn't see the movie because um, the book was such a mindfuck that I was like, I don't know if I'll be happy with whatever the, the movie does. So, yeah. So the Natalie Portman character is like the main character in the first book of the trilogy. Right. And like each book, the first one's Annihilation. The second book is Authority. And the third book is Acceptance. Okay. And the second book, the main character, for most of the book, his name is just Control. Okay. He's basically the sort of fixer guy that's sent in to try to fix this huge messed up situation. The main premise is like um, somewhere in the south. I can't remember. I think it's Florida. Somewhere on the coast of Florida. Several years in the past, this weird phenomenon happened where this huge zone, which they call like Area X like a big like force field went around this whole area okay and nobody knew why but it messed up a lot of stuff and people that were caught on the inside you know it was a big mystery and the the government was trying to figure it out without panicking people but since they couldn't figure out what was going on there was a big hush hush about it it turns out some really weird lovecrafty stuff was going on inside there lovecrafty horror horrific sort of yeah 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 that kind of stuff yeah so it turns out for years the government had been sending these uh, military expeditions in to try to get information and either nobody would come back from the expedition or they'd come back kind of messed up and weird right as as one does so you said control control was the name of the main character in the second book and so like in the first book Things go sideways and uh, something happens. Yeah, I don't want to do spoiler alerts. In the second book, a new director is sent in and the new director, it's like from his point of view and he's there to kind of like fix the mess that has happened. Right. Under the watch of the previous director. Uh, The director of what? Oh, the director of the, you know, the scientists and the quasi-military guys that are trying to figure out what 
What's the deal with Area X? So scientists and military. Sort scientists of. and military. And that's the one thing in the expeditions that would go in, they would have people that were certain specific roles. So they would be, I remember in the first book, the first book, the main character is the biologist. Right. That's the name that she has. She's a member of one of the expeditions that goes through the weird gate. Like there's this one spot where they can go through a gate and go into area X on that team. One of the team members was a biologist and one was the anthropologist and one was the, there was one of them that was more of a military person and that was just basically their heavy to fight off whatever needed to be fought off. But, you know, but everything was like so mysterious and shrouded in, you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really cool story that like comes together from a lot of different ways. And so, but one of the cool things is that, yeah, the second book has a totally different character's point of view that sort of reflects back, takes place after the first book, following up on what the hell happened there. And, um, but then also exploring more, exposing more, exploring right? more. And like the main character actually has a regular name that I forgot what it was, but he insists on going by control. That's like his his nickname. And oh, okay. And he reports to somebody who their codename is the voice. So so it is so it's kind of got a bit of like a spy tone to it in the second book. And like Does he have a shoe phone? Does he have a shoe phone? I forget. Okay. <laughs> no, but there is something there is something very important about cell phones in there or different kind of phones and it's his office gets bugged or, you know, or he's looking for bugs. So there's actually something to that angle. Yeah. A shoe phone, as in get smart. They were control. That was the name of their group. That oh, dude. Don Adams was. This goes control. deeper now. Now I got to reread those books or watch get smart. I don't Probably not. both. Both. Yes. Yeah. And the third book, it wraps it all up or does it leave a lot of things open? The third book does sort of explain what happened and then it takes you off a Lovecraftian precipice into the abyss. But yeah, sure, it wraps it up. So a happy book. <laughs> you come out of it feeling like, oh yeah, <laughs> life's great. No, it's called Acceptance. So that one's all about accepting. Yeah, and I think like Control is one of the main characters in that book the the third book sort of switches between you know main characters to get a more um deeper view of what's going on right but i think acceptance is about accepting that you don't really have control over any of this it's kind of funny that the guy who wants to be called control has no control right he has no control but he's like inherently a control freak and he's sent in to try to get control of a situation but he can't because it's beyond that there's layers yeah anyway so that, that was one of the things that was probably one of the things that when uh, you you pitched all the words i was like "Ooh, control what i have this is a little more scientific and we talked about the concept right yeah the control group so you can what you can compare your measurements to yeah correct i saw an article recently Arizona goes through some very interesting weather this time of year mm-hmm. called the monsoons. Tucson, Arizona does. I think Phoenix goes through something similar on the same schedule. Yeah. It's the same basic weather systems sort of doing similar stuff. Yeah. And we had crazy weather like had was about an inch diameter hail lasts for about 10 seconds and then it goes away or whatever. But then some other 
really extreme sort of weather. So what I saw in this article, people trying to seed clouds. Have you heard of cloud seeding? I've, I've heard of cloud seeding, yes. Yeah. Oh, like they, you know, send a plane up high and like it sprays a certain chemical that helps the the moisture like condense faster, drop rain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's silver iodide. They use mm. uh, potassium iodide, dry ice. Uh, they say liquid propane. Some mm. of those are common chemicals that they use. The use of hygroscopic materials such as table salt have become more popular. So, so, oh. so you just throw some table salt up in the up in the clouds and then you're good it's good for chasing off the devil and bringing rain exactly well allegedly um allegedly yeah so this is my thought that's one of the things that i thought of is people trying to control the weather mm-hmm. i think of sort of your situation like jurassic park i mean it's like why are we trying to do this anyway because it is a larger system and we don't know how it's affecting other regions of the world yeah and then also you know there's a question of whether or not it's effective and your scientific communities and two-bit hustlers and other people say that there is scientific evidence to back this stuff up i haven't really gone out of my way to look at it it just seems like something that is beyond control the weather yeah uh except sean connery in that one (laughs) in the avengers movie oh right yeah that that that, the avengers movie that's yeah that avengers movie. yeah the the real avengers movie not the superhero one oh gosh yeah You're speechless. Ray Fiennes was in that, right? Yeah, Ray Fiennes. Yeah, he was. What's his name? Steed. Steed. Yeah. Yep. And then who was uh, Mrs. Peel? Was that Uma Thurman? Or? Uma Thurman. Yep. Yeah, Uma okay. Thurman. Wow. With the big bad being Sean Connery. The big bad being Sean Connery. It's... Yeah, I could watch that movie again, maybe. I was just thinking about it. It's just like because I I used to think that the the style and the way that they solve their mysteries and the way yeah. that they you know it it had some sort of it had some zhuzh to it. I never watched any of the episodes of the original TV series, but, um, you know. I saw a few in syndication. I, or maybe I did see one or, you know, syndication. You, the, yes. That lovely thing of, of television on the channel, the weird off channels, and you, you get to watch whatever old shows on. That was great. Yeah, before that disappeared. I mean, and now you just have people paying for the rights to the shows on various streaming channels, I'm guessing. Diana Rigg, that's who was on there, yeah. Yes. That was yeah, that was Mrs. Peel, yeah. Yeah, also Mrs. Bond. And Mrs. Bond at that one time. Yeah. Yeah. But that was in the George Lazenby one, right? Correct. Back to the weather. What are your thoughts on cloud seeding and things to control weather? Um I, it seems a little desperate. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just uh I, I don't yeah, cloud seeding sounds kind of weird, but people just keep doing strange things to the world around them also it's like well you know you don't have any consideration for i mean like what what you do you have a limited amount of control like yeah in some water reservoirs they've come up with this method to keep the water in there where they have the balls yeah the balls the shade balls yeah that's something that definitely has an impact if the vapor is not going up 
I just don't understand what is the purpose of seeding clouds if there's no definite evidence. How how do you compare rainfall that's above normal, quote unquote, what are you comparing that to? Are you comparing that to an average? Are you comparing that to similar weather in another area? I don't understand how you would prove that these methods work. Well, I think, yeah, the most you can do is show that they're, well, boy, you need to take a lot of data. That's all I can say. And considering the fact that the weather prediction is very um, difficult anyway. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, the, the five, you know, once you go further than five days out, there's, um, it's, it's harder to really pinpoint things. It would take an AI, that kind of level of computation. Yeah. And if you like get an AI to predict the weather, then the, the, the hands look weird. <laughs> <laughs> the weather God's hands are going to look weird. That's a joke about the AI created artwork. The hands always look super messed up or, oh my God, the, or when the AIs make little videos of people eating things, it's just like the most horrible thing ever. <laughs> that shows you how little control we have. Right. The AIs can't even figure out how to make people look like they know how to eat in the pepperoni hug spot commercial. Pictures where they don't have six knuckles. Six knuckles on one finger. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this isn't the real AI problem. What you're saying, or what we're saying, is you need a lot more analysis. A lot more analysis, a lot more data. To even prove. You're comparing it to the thing that is going to give you what you want as far as figures. You know what I mean? It's it's selective comparison. Yeah, but you know, you're like, well, we're going to send the plane up and drop some silver iodide is because... Because Iowa needs rain today, and then they do that, and then it rains today in Iowa. Like, was it not going to rain anyway? Yeah, I mean, who who knows, right? That's that's there's there's too many factors in play to really get a concrete answer to that. And then yeah, it's just because the weather is so big, just yeah. like and like oh, this thing that's happening here, you know, it's it's going to have some sort of influence or effect on what's happening, you know, hundreds or thousands of miles away, you know, it's just, but we don't know exactly what that's going to be. It's just too big, too vast, too many variables. I mean, there, there are certain things. I think seeding the clouds is maybe less dumb than creating a giant space umbrella to cool the earth down. <laughs> <laughs> but not by much. <laughs> I don't know. The giant space umbrella sounds cool, but I mean, that's a much bigger scale project, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, mm. I do know. I know that people are just going to make a mess. We're just going to do more harm than good. kind of. Yeah, thing. we're going to do more harm than good. But the, the thing you brought about the, like the reservoirs, since those are like, you know, human created anyway, it's already messing with. Oh, yeah. You know, and by messing with, you know, there's there's lots of things that create lakes that may dam up rivers, you know. Some of them are beavers. And, and that's the thing, too. You don't know what that's doing to nature. There are too many systems going on for us to say that one thing causes this other thing. But I would say that I can look at some parts of systems and think, well, that's dumb. One of them is like, the, you know, the aqueduct that goes into Arizona from the Colorado River. Right. The Central Arizona Project. 
you know, basically they're sending water and they have to pump it uphill in several different spots. And it's going through some of the hottest desert in the country and it's just open air. So the water's still okay when it gets to Phoenix. But then when it gets all the way down to Tucson, it is so like saline and, and hard that uh, it was like in the the mid 90s when the CAP finally got all the way down to Tucson. Like right. Phoenix had been using it for a while and then Tucson got it and uh, said, oh, this is great. We got a new water source and, and the Tucson water tested it out in a neighborhood. Well, they didn't really test it out. They just plugged it in. They said, oh, let's put it on this branch. And right away, the chemical difference in the water totally reacted with everybody's pipes. Oh, yeah. Everybody in that area literally had brown water. And so Tucson Water had to shut that down and replace everybody's pipes there. When you change water sources, it messes with the pipes. The content of the water changes. And because the pipes have like deposits in them or, you know, that have built up over the years based on what the mineral content of the old water was, changing that releases all that stuff really quickly. And if we can't figure that kind of stuff out. We had a great case study that suddenly changing the water supply on pipes that have been there for a long time is a bad idea. And then remember that thing that happened in uh, Flint, Michigan, when they decided to switch their water source and then that loosened up all the lead that was in the pipes? I was like, oh, I was like, I, you didn't hear about this thing where another town tried that and it messed up the water. And that's the thing. I'm like, humans always messing up stuff. Well, that's, oh yeah, messing stuff up that they don't quite understand. Well, it's like on the one level, they're like, oh, there's a simple thing we can do. That's going to change the, you know, like, oh, we can do this. But they don't think through like the whole system, which I think that's like a nice analog to the the cloud seeding thing. Is like, yeah, okay, you're doing this thing to in- influence the system, but you know uh, what is it messing with? What larger system that this smaller system is a part yeah, of is exactly. it uh, impacting, and how is it impacting that larger system? I don't want to get too butterfly effect or anything, but I mean, you know, there there are those kinds of like, it's a chaotic system. Weather is a chaotic system, period in a sentence, right? And it, it's been showing us lately, like, hey, weather's a big deal. <laughs> like, we went through several centuries of kind of cool and kind of calm weather. It's not so calm right now. And oh my God. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was the other thing that I think of is the, the whole cloud seeding is it a hoax is it real is it effective i think is that's it too i mean just because you can do it doesn't mean you should yeah is the problem it's solving more important than the problem it's creating at some point you don't know that did they know that this was going to happen they they probably wouldn't have done the cap water thing if they knew that they would have to replace all the pipes. That was an unknown. But then the fact that another municipality thought, let's switch up our water source without thinking about, well, what's going to happen? I mean, I know what what Tucson eventually did with the CAP was uh, figure, yeah, they send the CAP water to the, the recharge basins. And then it mixes with the groundwater and then they pump it back up. They figured out a system that works better for that. but Than just using the cap water. Yeah, they don't, they, they don't use it right away. They use it eventually. And that, I think Tucson probably does some smart stuff with the water actually now. One last thing. Uh, well, I mean, this is kind of just an interesting factoid. They tried to do 
cloud seeding sort of things during the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing. Oh, right. That totally sounds like that's right. I yeah, forgot about to, that. Yeah. To coax rain showers out of the clouds before they reach the Olympic city. That seems like that might be the application that kind of works to get the rain out of the clouds before it gets to where the event is. But how important is that event? I don't know. You know I what? The rain gives it charm too, but yeah. that's just me. But the 2008 Olympics, that was neat. Yeah. Yeah. China, yeah, they had to do a lot of stuff. They put the controls on who could drive in Beijing for a while. Yeah. Because when, uh, when basically normal times, the amount of cars in Beijing, like the, the air pollution is terrible and you can't see through it. And they're like, oh, we're having an Olympics. We need to clean up the air. So they uh, restricted who could drive mm-hmm. for like a couple of weeks before the Olympics started just to make it so that you could see through the air in Beijing. Yeah, that's another interesting sort of like thing to do to control yeah china's all about control Ooh. yeah well i think most most countries are i mean some yeah most governments i mean that's part of what governments try and do right they they try and do they try to control things or they try to manage things i think it's a little column a little column b a little column a column b yeah there's some things they want to control and some things they just want to keep from getting out of control and then and they always do <laughs> not to get too political like they do yeah which is why i'm not on twitter anymore right X. because they changed its name that's why i'm not on twitter anymore yep your x because of x i can't find it what about control in video games do you have any video games you want to talk about that involve control that you think of? Oh, man. I forgot. That's part of the show, video games. Yeah, that is part of the show. It's totally a part of the show. So I would say, like, my neurology makes it really hard for me to uh, do games where it's, like, real time. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's, like, those things where you're setting up all your little little workers to do the things and then you got to go invade like starcraft like i always thought that was like i thought that was like a cool idea for a game yeah i want to build up my space force i want to go fight the alien things over there but then all of a sudden i couldn't pay attention to everything and it was too much and right then i get sad i think they make games do that on purpose anyway they try to make them hard there are okay so there's a balance there there's a balance but but i'm like always better at turn-based games than at real-time ones because okay okay i just i need the extra thinking time Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah real-time ones they get out of control so fast for me that's not a a problem for me I, i i've never really thought about that because for me, it's like, it's just part of the game and that's what I do, right? Yeah. Whether it's real time or turn-based or whatever, I'm okay with it. Real time. Sometimes you can get too complex with games though. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. the thing. I think, yeah. yeah. And I think it was like, I like doing, I think I'm more drawn to strategy games. Uh-huh. And that's where like when it's real time, it's like, oh shit, I need a pause for a second and Slow down the alien onslaught. Yeah, exactly. Whereas with turn-based games, yeah, you've got that built in. We'll do okay with tower defense games. Those are all right. 
Yeah, and that, but that's also a, that's a closed system. The, the tower defense game is real time. It is real time, but you kind of know what's coming. And you have to devise your strategy to keep them from an end point. Yeah, you're like holding the line, so that's that's a little bit easier. You might like 13 Sentinels from this company that usually made side-scrolling, beat-em-up kind of games, and that's kind of like mixed with role-playing games. And then they came out with this 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim game, and it was essentially a... Or, you know, a visual novel kind of thing where you would play through different stories mm-hmm. and some very, very minor puzzly elements. But the big part of the game was this tower defense style game where you had to protect different towers with different mechs yeah. and move them all over. And it was all like this really interesting vector graphics kind of presentation. Spoiler alert, you're all in a simulation anyway. You're what? Ship. Yeah. Your video game's actually a simulation? Well, the game, it's... A, okay, so... Here's, wait, here's hold a, on. The, wait, is this one of those Inception things? We're going three dreams deep? What? Not exactly. <laughs> what it is, is it was, it was a simulation that was designed for people to travel great distances. So they uh-huh. put their brains into the simulation. They're cloning people to... So it's like you don't want just a clone that has no experience or uh-huh. anything. You can't clone experiences. So what you do is you put them in something that is a simulation of life. And then they grow up as they're moving through the universe. Uh. And there's another thing where some other system tried to take over to destroy the humans. And Tokyo being destroyed by these machines... They're actual terraforming machines that it draws into the simulator because it knows what it's using those for when it gets to planets, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it is a tower defense game. I mean, that's what I would call it. But it, it tells the story through these 13 characters that you have to right. <laughs> choose between. You've got 13 different characters. you got to play through their story. Oh, man. That's a lot of characters. Hence, 13 Sentinels. Great tower defense game, though. A lot of fun. So that's your thought on video games and control. It's... Video games and control. And the Atari controls sucked. I think that's a controller. The controllers. The controllers sucked. Yeah, the video game controllers. What was your problem with the Atari 2600 controller? I wear them out all the time. That was the main problem. Did you pull off the little rubber thing? I know sometimes people would pull back on the joystick so hard that they would oh yeah those things would come off all yeah that wasn't the problem that was that was kind of fun you just take it off pop it back on it was right very uh symbolic of something i didn't understand at the time but um (laughs) (laughs) and now i'm like no it's just a it's just a joystick it's just yes they call it a joystick because uh, the early aviation pioneers were perverts i don't know <laughs> I mean, uh, why do they call it a joystick probably because um uh, gross reasons but anyway uh <laughs> we need to do a show on the word joystick i mean i need to do Possibly. some research about it. i we seriously like how the some... hell 
did that become a thing? But anyway. We could do some research. It might be embarrassing, but, you know. We would do this for you, audience. We would do it for we the would. audience, yes. So, uh, like, subscribe, get that one extra listener, and we'll do an episode about joysticks. Yep. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> so if every listener gets one extra listener, and then they get another listener. And so on. And, and so then on. in a linear so progression. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you think of control with the video games is controllers well that's one thing that i think of is uh, the controllers well the atari ones they would just wear out yeah i'd have to replace yeah. them all the time but it was it was early home video game technology and it's probably still yeah. a problem you wear out your controller and you gotta get a new one i think these days yeah. mostly it's it's about drift like the thumbstick drift, drift. Yeah. Oh, thumbstick drift. Yeah, see, we didn't have the thumbstick before. It's... No, no, you just had the joystick. The joystick. Although, this, uh... yeah, we're going to do an episode on all of that. That would be, talk about spicy. Mm. Yeah, an eye-opening episode. One for, what is it, the uh, the Pulitzer uh, Prize for um, journalism or something. Yeah, Pulitzer has uh, print journalism prizes, but... um. I think the Peabody is the radio journalism stuff. And I think podcasts, podcasts win Peabody sometimes. Yeah. Well, let's do that. Okay. So we're let's going go for, for a Peabody. Peabody. <laughs> we're going to do a show about joysticks and we're going to win a Peabody. <laughs> Are you telling someone in your, in your house? You're just telling Catherine. Hey mom, we're doing it. We're doing a podcast about joysticks. We're going to get a Peabody. <laughs> yeah all right that's that's uh comedy gold comedy gold (laughs) yep so there's one last thing i wanted to talk about before we close out the show here there's a game called control and it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that book where you had a person who was named control this game from a company called remedy entertainment one of their more notable games that came out in 2019 is a game that's called Control. Did you ever watch the show Warehouse 13 that had all the weird objects? It's sort of a concept that Twilight Zone uses. That sounds kind of like the television show, the Friday the 13th TV series. Didn't they also have a television show that was Nightmare on Elm Street? That was Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah, that actually... What was that? Because like Freddy Krueger was like the narrator. He was like the Rod Serling... To figure that that introduced the story and then it would be some little horror story and then he'd close it out with a stupid pun of some sort yeah but anyway so with this game you play a character named jesse and she is on sort of a hunt for her brother she has some sort of a psychic connection to something she has sort of an inner dialogue that she will throughout the game It sounds like she's talking to you, but she's talking to this entity that kind of follows with her. It's set within what's called the oldest house, which is sort of a brutalist kind of skyscraper in uh, New York City, where it's the headquarters of the FBC, which is the Federal Bureau of Control. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They investigate this specific group of phenomena. They're called AWEs, which are Altered World Events. This does sound like a total callback to that book I was talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And the, here's the other thing. You've got someone who's called the director and that director mm-hmm. has to basically make a connection with what's called the board. It's a psychic connection. And the board is always talking to you when you are doing certain tasks throughout the game, but it speaks in broken language that sounds like it's not quite translated properly. Mm-hmm. It, it's like it's it's saying things that sort of fit. It's very interesting what they do with this quote unquote the board. But anyway, so Jesse walks in, she's looking for her brother, and she finds the director dead on the floor. He just shot himself mm. right before you got there. Like you hear the bullet and then he's on the floor. And then you pick up that weapon and you're connected to the board and they say, you're the new director. So now she is the director of the Federal Bureau of Control. Uh, Yeah. And this oldest house, it also has an interesting feature where it reconfigures itself to basically house certain things. So it will... It constantly is a changing sort of state. So what she's trying to do is one of the events that's occurring in the Bureau of Control is this invasion of these otherworldly beings called the Hiss. And she's trying to figure out what's happening there. And there are all sorts of psychic powers. The gun that she has is kind of a morphing sort of gun that changes to fit whatever situation she wants it to. Like if she wants to do something that's more like a shotgun she just thinks about it, reconfigures it, and different guns, right? So this, it, that's her service weapon being the director of the Federal Bureau of Control. It's an interesting story because apparently who summoned you to the Bureau of Control is this janitor. <laughs> and so the janitor tells you that you're there for the assistant janitor position. <laughs> His name is Ati, and as it turns out, he's some sort of other entity. One of the expansions that they came out with was called the AWE, which everyone thought was the Alan Wake expansion. Alan Wake is a game where you play as an author, and this was like longer ago. I think it came out in 2010. You have this flashlight you have to strip the the evil shadow from whatever the thing is before you can actually shoot it. In the game Control, they establish that that's a connected universe. The game that's coming out now, it, what that I'm interested in playing at PAX, is Alan Wake 2. And Alan Wake 2 is due out in October. What you do in the Alan Wake 2 game is... Alan Wake went missing and he's in some sort of alternate universe where he is writing and you're playing the character that he's writing about. So you are the character Saga. She is, and it goes between the Alan and Saga, but he's trying to write himself out of this alternate universe. Very interesting kind of a story that sounds like it could be cool. And I don't know if Jesse from Control is going to make an appearance in this or if these characters are going to make an appearance in Control 2. The premise of Alan Wake 2 is 13 years after best-selling horror writer Alan Wake went missing, a string of ritualistic murders occurs in the town of Bright Falls, Washington, 
Saga Anderson is an FBI agent sent to Bright Falls to investigate the killings, where she finds herself tangled in a supernatural horror story written by Wake in order to escape from his captivity. Any thoughts on that? Sounds kind of Stephen King-like. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But it also fits into these altered world events. Oh, yeah, it does too, yeah. Altered world events. From the control game. Right. It's not something that I think that you will be playing. Uh, Maybe not. I don't think. If you went into a building and just by going to that building and picking something up, you became the director of the FBI, would you do that intentionally or no? Would would I intentionally randomly go into a building? And pick something up? And pick something up. And become the the head of the FBI? A lot of variables in that situation. Oh yeah, almost almost like seeding clouds outside of my control. (laughs) So there's no sense in even thinking about it. You can't even plan for that. No, that's yeah. I mean, but if it happened, I'd be like, "Hey, can you be in charge of the FBI now?" And I'll be like, "What in the name of alias is going on here?" (laughs) (laughs) Well, last thoughts on the word control. What do you say? Are, are those are those your last thoughts on the word control? You wouldn't be the FBI agent for J.J. Abrams? It would not be J.J. Abrams' FBI agent because... Okay. I think he just makes things up as he goes along. Okay. But <laughs> I think uh, pretty much everyone does, right? Yeah. Yeah, sort of. Well, I do. Yeah, that's for, that's for sure. But no, I got an endpoint in sight usually when I start out a big project. A project that you work on is in your control. Absolutely in your control, whether you do it or not. What the studio executives tell you to do, not in your control. Exactly. What's that watermelon and the vice doing there? Yeah. The watermelon and the vice. That is a, yep, that's a test for who's got control. That is exactly what that was put there for, too. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Buckaroo Banzai. The audience may not know, but that's... The audience needs to go watch Buckaroo Banzai. They want to borrow my DVD? I'll I'll email it to them. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, control, as you were saying, before I so rudely interrupted you. No, control is... Yeah, I think, like, the most important part is, is figuring out how to have control of yourself Mm. but also be able to accept that you don't always have control over yourself and if you can't even have control over yourself you sure can't have control over other people you you can have influence but influence is not control it's not control 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 what you can okay you yeah figure out what you can control focus on that don't worry too much about what you can't control because you can't control it by definition be like okay i can do this and then if something unexpected comes out you figure out okay well what can i do now and can i pivot and can i you know that's how you maintain control of your life is by accepting that there are variables outside your control and right you just you can uh Try to prepare yourself and be ready to react, but like, don't take it personal when you know the one-inch size hail comes down. Because right, exactly, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's beyond like, your control. Beyond your control, nobody's doing that to you on purpose. That's a very important thing to remember: is the things you can control, but also 
Trying to control a situation that hasn't happened yet is an exercise in futility, so don't do that. No. Focus on now what you can control. Control. Like, I'm going to plant a tree. That's what I want to do. Oh, that's cool. I mean... I'm going to go to a uh, a nerdy festival. You're going to go to a nerdy festival. I actually... Yeah, I wanted to make a comic book, so I did. Yeah. And um, I'm going to try to put it in stores. You can buy it at partlyrobotindustries.com, right? Or is is that... It's just partlyrobot.com, yeah. Partlyrobot.com. Partly ro- I don't have the comic listed on the web store yet. Maybe I will by the time this gets out, because I forgot. We're, we're speaking to people in the future right now. Correct. We're time travelers. We're time traveling. It is no longer August 9th. It is on your Etsy, right? Um, it'll be on my Etsy. You know, it costs, it costs 20 cents to list an item on Etsy. I did not know that. They charge Hmm. it ahead of time. And then if, um, nobody buys it for like six months and you want to relist it, they charge you 20 cents again. Hmm. But if someone does buy it before then, and you want to relist it, they'll keep charging it. They'll charge you 20 cents that time too. Okay. So they just keep on charging you 20 cents. Etsy, Etsy charges you 20 cents a lot of times. And then when you sell something, then they take a percentage too. So, okay. But I'm not saying it's like, they're not really, they're still probably pretty fair, but you know, it just costs money to do things. Yeah. That's, that's the way it is. They're they're providing a platform. You could do your web store on a different platform and, right. you know, pay 50 bucks a month up front to list everything. And they, they, they still take a percentage. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm not dissing Etsy. It's just, it's just funny. Okay. Well, you will have your zine up there at some point. I will have my Check zine up there. Yeah. In some point in yeah. the future, which is when listeners will be listening to this. So if you like shopping on Etsy, you could go and look for Partly Robot there. Check out Andrew's stuff. And then I got the other web store on Big Cartel, but um, I might put it there too. Okay. Yeah, on Big Cartel, this is the funny thing. I You can get five, you can list five things for free on Big Cartel. Okay. But once you go beyond five, then you got to pay for a plan, a monthly fee. Oh, can you swap out things? Can you like say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Is it cheaper than Etsy? Um, oh, it's probably the same once you figure everything, but, um, big cartel is kind of cool because like they'll take care of sales tax for you for sales in places, you know, because the States, they want their sales tax. Right. So like they'll handle it. And so if there's any tax fraud going on, it's big cartels fault. Okay. (laughs) Not my fault. I thought they were doing it. They told me they were doing it. So if they didn't do it, they're the liars. I have no control over that. Uh, there's there's a lots of like persnickety things about e-commerce, but if you're small potatoes, you don't have a lot to worry about. It's, it's when you're medium potatoes that they'll come for you. Yeah, medium potatoes. That's that's it. Don't be medium potatoes. Don't be medium. You be either be small potatoes or big potatoes. But when you're medium potatoes, that's when you get screwed. If yeah. you're small potatoes, you're not worth their time. But if you're a big potato, then you're too big to fail, and they give you a lot of tax breaks. I don't know. That's America, folks. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like your dad, right? (laughs) Yeah, it does sound like my dad. (laughs) (laughs) He says a lot of random stupid stuff and makes weird metaphors. (laughs) (laughs) About potatoes. And speaking of potatoes, what finer potato product than... uh, 
than Pringles. A scorching spicy stew Pringle. Flamin' medium. A flaming medium Minecraft Pringle. So you can finish those later. Have a snack. I got a snack. All right. And you're going to go to the big show in, in Las Vegas. It's, no, Seattle. It's Seattle, right? Seattle. It's going to be fun. Four days there. Going to have a lot of fun. So, All right. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us on this episode of the Too Vague Podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, I love doing it. Yeah. Excellent. Let's, let's do another word. Yeah. Joystick. Joystick. That's right. We're going to get a Peabody. <laughs> We're going to get a Peabody. <laughs> for our joystick <laughs> reporting. <laughs> exactly hard-hitting hard-hitting joystick investigation (laughs) but anyway thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the two vague podcast my name is ben my name's andrew and we've been your hosts have a wonderful night bye all right later folks joystick